Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, my name is Monty Walden. I'm with Francesco Zonin of uh, the Zonin Family Winery, which is the biggest privately owned winery in Italy. Is that correct, Francesco? Yeah, my, could be. Could be. <laughs> You're being too <laughs> modest. So uh, you've got wineries in various regions. Where are your wineries? And um, Well, we're based in uh, the Venetian area in uh, a small village called Gambellari. It's between Verona and uh, Vicenza. So that's in and, the northeast uh, of Italy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, about 40 minutes from west of Venice. And then we have a winery in Friuli, uh, one in Lombardy, one in Piedmont, uh, three in Tuscany, uh, Sicily, Puglia, and one in the U.S. Okay, so how do you, I mean, obviously you've got a really sort of global vision of what's going on in Italian wine. What are the trends that you're seeing at the moment? You know, um, I wouldn't call Prosecco a trend, so I wouldn't even talk about it because it's, it's, a, it's a phenomenon on, it, on its own. I think Italian wine is doing well overall. I think even, I mean, on an international, if you look at what people are drinking more and more, I think it's, uh, uh, you can see two trends. One is a little bit bolder and sweeter wine. The other one is more... I would say let's call it elegant wine, and and so you mean, that you part mean, when you say sorry when you say elegant, you meaning like a little lot with less oak. Uh, yeah, exactly. Where you don't you can you cannot feel the oak. I mean, you know it's, it's there, but you cannot feel it. Uh, meaning that white wines would be with a higher acidity, fresher, crispier, something that goes well with food, and something that goes well in the direction we have a saying in Italy at least in runs in the family that the best bottle of wine is the empty one so I think Italian style wines are going as I've always been in, in that style I mean we never think of a bottle of wine or having some wine if there's nothing uh, crunchy or, or, or you know something to eat um, yes yeah, so we would say along. The, so, yeah like savory think, wines yeah. yeah so I think people are in, are, are, are getting more our uh, our way up living wine because when we do live wine because if you if you go to italy i mean you walk into a bar at 10 o'clock in the morning there's always going to be someone drinking which is not you know it could be like a, a bad thing but to tell but it's 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 part of our culture because ben probably it's a light white wine you know it's 10 30 in the morning maybe he woke up at six where he had you'd breakfast so it's like in the middle of the day for him and the aperitif is another good example of how we're trying to export not only the bottle of wine but but what is what goes around the, the that bottle of wine so sitting down before lunch before dinner uh popping up a bottle of uh, wine and tasting it with friends because then the other good part of italian one is that when you pop a bottle you're never alone yeah it's and interesting what you say about the wine people wanting to finish i mean i think that's also the fact that there's a recession and people don't want to spend lots of money on a wine that they can't they, they have half they have to throw away because they yeah. literally can't finish it so i think as you say italy's pretty well placed yeah or they're getting smarter and and they understanding that you don't have to spend a huge amount of money to get a good bottle of wine. And I think Italy on, on that side is pretty strong. I mean, you can walk into any wine store in Italy with 10 euros and get out with, a, a, I wouldn't say an amazing bottle of wine, but a very good one. And and you can pick from 420 appellations and 600 varieties. And that to me is unique. Isn't you can it, walk into any other place in the world, you never get out with $15. Does that, I mean, obviously you're saying that Italy's strong point is the, the, the very savory wines that go well with food. They're very drinkable, refreshing. Yeah. But as you've just said, all these different grape varieties and regions, isn't it also a little bit terrifyingly complex for, for normal consumers? It, it is complex. Uh, it's so how do we deal with the, that? The biggest task we face 
Italian producer is how to communicate a uniqueness. Uh, and it's a uniqueness not only in wine, but, you know, we have more biodiversity. Italy has more biodiversity than the whole of Europe put together. And how do you promote that? How do you promote 420 uh, appellation where already, you know, walking to some market where Italian wine, it's already an, uh, a question mark sometimes. So I think we have, uh, you can see it on two ways. Either it's a huge potential or a, a huge problem. We like to see it as huge potential because if you look at Italy 30 years ago, we had a huge potential and we, I think we did a pretty good job. I think we can do more and more. There's new technology. People are, are, are traveling more. So I think Puglia, for example, the Salento Peninsula, 10 years ago, you would think of Primitivo Nero Romaro. Very, very little people would know about that. But now Puglia is it's a, a, a touristic destination. Puglia is what Sardinia was 20 years ago. So now you, you're talking to a, any of my friends. I mean, 10 years ago, wouldn't know what Nero Romaro is. Now you ask them and everybody knows because somehow they went there, they read about it. So people get curious and sometimes I think wine industry, wine should move more with food and and the travel. I mean, how influential have sommeliers been? Because obviously they've got the time in front of a customer to explain the complexity of the Italian wine offer, whether it's great varieties or regions or soil types or whatever. How important have they been, do you think, for Italian wine? Uh, Very, and I think they're going to play a major role also in the future. As we're saying, uh, 420 um, appellation, unless you have someone who tells the story every day, it's it's hard. I mean, it's hard for a consumer to walk into a, in front of a shelf and pick a wine that doesn't know. Now it's changing because millennials are more uh, curious than my generation was in the, in the past. So I think that itself might be a good opportunity for Italian wines. Uh, but sommelier, you know, it was like the, the, the restaurateur uh, 30 years ago. It would open an Italian restaurant somewhere in the world and talk about, you know, pasta and tomato and wine. And now sommelier are doing it in a specific way. Um, I think we need to do more with sommelier. We need more to do more in coming. We need sommelier not only to learn about our wines on a book and taste it, but need to learn who makes that wine, what it means, the culture behind. Because when you talk to Italian wine, you know, it's it's thick Tuscany. I mean, when you're two or three hundred year old, you're a, a newly. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and it's uh, something that we can uh, we can bring up. Um, something we can bring outside of our own uh, region and other consumer to to understand it so listen you, you i think you've got nine wineries is it, in seven regions mm-hmm. so when you get a phone call from a member of your family say hey listen you francesca you've got to go down to x winery which is the one that you think oh so i love going there every day i just love it which is the one is it the one in puglia well i was there last week and it's uh, fresh in the memory yeah it's it, i mean all of them, because uh, still I haven't seen a, a bad part of Italy. And mm. then when you, you when you think of a, a wine growing region in Italy, I've never seen a, a, a bad one. But you know. Okay, so give me, I'm going to ask you a question. So when you go to Puglia, yeah. so and it's all you you let's do a, several regions. When you go to Puglia, what's your favorite dish when you go there? You think, I love having egg. what is it? Okay, I'm a pasta lover. Okay, okay. I don't look you, like no. You're thin I, as a yeah, as you're and so I eat thin. pasta twice a day and every day. And I, when I have pizza, usually I have two pizzas. So don't ask me where I put it, but somehow I managed to do it. So fresh pasta is always my favorite. So orecchiette would be 
uh, you know, consumer developer, something very classic. So Orecchia di Rosso, like a little ear-shaped, ear-shaped uh, pasta with um, turnip greens, yeah, with a little bit of garlic and, uh, and, and an anchovy. Yeah, con correct. Correct. Si, si. La scioglie. Si. Okay. So, you know, you and me swatch at a Pugliese. Okay. Right, so, I'm sorry, I just said my father very, very lucky. was from Pugliese. That's how I know about this dish. So, when, Puglia so, is for originally invented uh, raw fish in Italy. I mean, they started like 100 years ago. Give me another winery. That was Puglia. Next one. Castello d'Albola. So, that's obviously in Tuscany. Chianti Classico, because it's... Then, I do the opposite, because one of my... A good friend is Dario Cecchini, so I I'm, don't eat much meat. But when I'm there, it's uh, Bistecca la Fiorentina right. for sure. So hang on, that's a, that's yep. t- that's t- uh, for everyone, that's oh, T-bone sorry. steak uh, grown in the in a valley, the Chiana Valley, and the cows are called Chianina, and it's and it's a steak about the size of a shoe, right? That's a, that's a classic Tuscan dish. It's it's a T-bone, yeah. Four or five finger, yeah, yeah. It has to be like this, yeah. and you cook it like. 20 minutes on mm. the bone and yeah. then usually seven and seven depending on the depending on the on on the steak so pasta twice a day several pizzas in one sitting and yeah. quinina and you and are quinina. thin as yeah. a post okay stretto come un palo they, they say in stretto italian okay so grissino next grissino which is a breadstick right so right give me another region that's tuscany and puglia go on then i would fly all the way across the atlantic and i would mm. say barbersville vineyards okay which is in which state in the usa uh, virginia mm-hmm. charlottesville okay Unbelievable place. Okay, maybe too romantic to go there alone, but it's uh, it's really worth it. And it's a small corner of Italy, also there because the um, general manager and winemaker is from uh, Piedmont. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an Italian restaurant called uh, Palladio. The maitre d' is Italian, so you go there. The um, agronomist is. Um, from El Salvador, but he speaks fluent uh, Italian, so it's uh, like a small corner of mm-hmm. uh, of Italy there. And there you eat everything, but venison because it comes from uh, the woods. And then usually it's uh, it's all homemade. So we have um, small suppliers from around. Uh, we grow our own uh, vegetables, and we try to do all in uh, at home. Okay, and it's the same thing for every winery. So when I go to Cabolani, for example, in Friuli, mm-hmm. we go fishing our own uh, trouts mm-hmm. that we raise, or you can find some fresh fruit, vegetables. Uh, we do eggplants in uh, in uh, Sicily, or we grow potatoes and uh, fennels and celery in uh, in Tuscany. Piemonte. Uh, we do uh, honey in uh, in uh, Friuli. Piemonte, we just drink. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And what were you like at school? I mean, you, you know, your English is better than mine. Uh, were you nah. good in school? Uh, I was good at school. I was lucky at school because I, I'd studied in Italy, um, in Vicenza. Then I um, graduated. Uh, I went to university in uh, Milan. I graduated in uh, June 98. And then September 98, I moved to the U.S. for three months. Those three months turned into four years. And then I got a phone call. Listen, so what? <laughs> what is your plan? Because I think the three months were passed by for 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 a long time now. So and then you know the US is our uh, biggest market. Second would be uh, UK. So I'm I'm very often in the US. Plus I don't mind the English language. So what what are the future plans for Zona? And where do you see Italian wine in say ten or fifteen years? Where do you hope to see it? Our plans, um, we can sum up 200 years almost of our history in uh, one minute, which is 1821, we were, uh, my family bought the first vineyard. For exactly 100 years, it was a, a self-consumption. Then my great-uncle in 1921, he created the, the company and it was Gambellara, 
800 people after World War One. So he vinified his first uh, his vintage, and then he asked a friend of my help of him to lend him a bicycle because he couldn't afford it, and he went on a bicycle for 20 kilometers to sell the first three bottles of wine. We started there. The winery expanded. My my great uncle was a very smart very smart person. He was born in 1899, so he fought World War I when he was 16. He died in 2001, so he lived across three centuries and two millenniums. Pretty interesting person. And, 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 and then yeah. couldn't have any children. My father was the first of nine, so was uh, adopted by him, and he joined the company in 57. Then in the 1970s, my father started to expand the winery in a very unusual way for that time, so he started to buy outside its own region, so we bought Cabolani in Friuli, we bought uh, Castello d'Albola in, 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 in Tuscany, and so on. So from 1970 to 2000, for 30 years, we put up, put up what is now the largest family-owned vineyard. And then I joined in 2000 and 2004, 2003, um, my brother in uh, 2001, Domenico. And then from there, we started to um, you know, restructure the whole distribution network we had, because we had such a you know, impressive portfolio in Italy, but not we're doing uh, that well. So I started, you know, plane, uh, frequent flyer, pretty much living on airports. And the company grew at the time in 2004. We're doing probably 60 million euros. And now we're close to 200. So in less than 10 years. And we started to uh, open new wine, new companies, but in terms of import and distribution, because sometimes not easy to find the right solution in terms of the house of an importer in their portfolio. And so we created Donin USA, which is our importer in the U.S. Donin UK is our importer distributor in UK and, and lately Donin China. So I think distribution now is as important as quality used to be in the 70s and 80s. So if you were a good producer in the 70s with a great bottle of wine, I think you were able to go anywhere. Uh, right now, I think quality is a given by the market. So it has to be a, a, a good wine. If it's not good, don't even start. Don't even, it's, you're never, never going to be successful. But quality is not enough. So it has to be a great wine. Then you, you need to know how to sell it and how to distribute it. Um, we focus on, on, on that. I think it's the right path. So in the future, we're gonna, we need to be better at this. At the same time, as we're saying, it's 420 uh, appellations in Italy. We cover nine of them, so we still have some room to expand. We're looking at Italy. We're looking to um, some more international areas as well outside of Italy. Um, Barbersville is a good example of how interesting can be viticulture outside of Italy. Plus, we're a family company. We don't need big numbers. Uh, we like to do things on a... Uh, slowly understand what it means because it takes time to set up a new winery in Italy. It takes a lot of time, a lot of effort. A lot of paperwork. A huge amount of paperwork. So uh, when you go outside of Italy, it, it might be easier, but you know the problem right now, what is lacking is time. So we need to structure ourselves to find some time to solve some new project. Yeah, less, less time eating those big guinea steaks and more time uh, behind your that's, laptop. And, that's yeah. the best uh, meeting in the room uh, ever. Francesco Zonin, listen, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Your company is uh, incredibly well joined up. It all makes sense. You know, your vineyards, your, your, your marketing, uh, the way you talk about your wines, and you know what you're doing. And, um, and that's the reason why you've been so successful. So listen, thanks for coming in today. Thank you very much. And you know, probably it's 
easier because we are in the best business in the world. As you were saying, you know, when I'm in Canty Classic eating a steak and talking to a guy, I'm basically working and <laughs> I cannot think of a better job. Yeah, I'll come down to Puglia with you. We can have some Primitivo and Agromara with some Cimirirapa and, uh, and we can stare at the sea, the Adriatic. Will be a pleasure. Thanks for coming in. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks. Thank you very much. Follow us at Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook.